Welcome to this special series of the Say Yes to Holiness podcast, hosted by me, Christina Simmons, who will be your guide for this audio online retreat that's going to be focused upon continuing to help you become the saint God created you to be. This retreat, we're going to be reading from the spiritual classic, The Soul of the Apostolate by Dom Jean-Baptiste Chattard. And it's going to include a brief reflection and daily resolution. It's designed to help you incorporate and live out that wisdom in your daily life. So join with me now as we take our next step on our pilgrimage towards holiness. Hello and welcome to day 29. We begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask you to open our hearts and minds as we pray this prayer from St. Augustine, our patron and intercessor. Breathe in me, O Holy Spirit, that my thoughts may all be holy. Act in me, O Holy Spirit, that my work too may be holy. Draw my heart, O Holy Spirit, that I love but what is holy. Strengthen me, O Holy Spirit, to defend all that is holy. Guard me then, O Holy Spirit, that I always may be holy. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we are continuing uh, with section four about how it is that the interior life makes action more fruitful. And we're going through the different ways that it does so. Uh, so we're talking today about how the interior life will make the apostle radiate the supernatural and the efficacy of this radiation. One of the most formidable obstacles to the conversion of a soul is the fact that God is a hidden God. Deus absconded it tus. But God in his goodness reveals himself in a certain manner through his saints and even through fervent souls. In this way, the supernatural filters through and becomes visible to the faithful who are thus able to apprehend something of the mystery of God. How does this diffusion of the supernatural come about? It is the visible brilliance of sanctity, the shining forth of that divine influx, which theology commonly calls sanctifying grace. Or better still, perhaps, we may say it is the result of the unutterable presence of the divine persons within those whom they sanctify. St. Basil gave it precisely this explanation. When the Holy Spirit, he said, unites himself to the souls purified by his grace, he does so in order to make them still more spiritual just as the sunlight makes the crystal upon which it falls and which it penetrates more sparkling and bright. So too the sanctifying spirit fills the souls in which he dwells with light, and as a result of his presence they become blazing fires, spreading all around them grace and charity. The manifestation of the divine, which showed itself in every moment and even in the repose of the man-god, can also be perceived in certain souls gifted with an intense interior life. The amazing conversions which some saints were able to effect merely by the fame of their virtues and the groups of aspirants to perfection that attach themselves to them proclaim loudly enough the secret of their silent apostolate. St. Anthony caused the deserts of Egypt to become filled with men. St. Benedict was the reason why an unnumbered army of holy monks rose up to civilize Europe. St. Bernard's influence throughout the church, both upon rulers and their people, was something unparalleled. St. Vincent Ferrer was greeted wherever he went by the wild enthusiasm of huge crowds of people, and what is more, he converted them. There rose up such an army of valiant saints in the wake of St. Ignatius Loyola 
that one of them, all by himself, St. Xavier, was enough to save the souls of an incredible number of pagans. The only thing that can explain these wonders is the power of God himself, radiated through his human instruments. It is a terrible misfortune when there is not to be found one really interior soul among all those at the head of important Catholic projects. Then it seems as though the supernatural had undergone an eclipse, and the power of God were in chains. And the saints teach us that when this happens, a whole nation may fall into decline, and providence will seem to have given evil men a free hand to do all the harm they desire. Make no mistake, there is a sort of instinct by which souls, without clearly defining what it is they sense, are aware of this radiation of the supernatural. What else would bring the sinner of his own accord to cast himself at the feet of the priest and ask pardon, recognizing God himself and his representative? On the other hand, it was the full conception of sanctity, ceased to be the necessary ideal of a minister of a certain Christian sect, that this sect found itself infallibly abolishing confession. John indeed did no sign. Without working a single miracle, John the Baptist attracted great crowds. St. John Vianney had a voice so weak that it could not reach most of those in the crowd that surged around him. But if people could hardly hear him, they saw him. They saw a living monstrance of God, and the mere sight of him overwhelmed those who were there and converted them. A lawyer had just returned from ours. Someone asked him what it was that had impressed him. He said, I have seen God in a man. Perhaps we may be permitted to sum all this up in a rather commonplace comparison. It is a familiar experiment with electricity. Put a man on an insulating stool and then establish contact between him and an electric machine. His body becomes charged with electricity and as soon as anyone else touches him, he gives off a spark and shocks the one who had contacted him. It is the same with a man of prayer. Once he is detached from creatures, a continuous flow is established between him and Christ an uninterrupted current. The apostle becomes an accumulator of supernatural life and condenses in himself a divine current which is diversified and adapted to the working conditions and all the needs of the sphere in which he is working. Virtue went out from him and healed all. His words and acts became mere emanations of this latent power. But the power itself is supremely efficient in overcoming every obstacle, obtaining conversions, and increasing fervor. The more a man's soul is filled with the theological virtues, the more such emanations will bring these same virtues to life in other souls. Because the interior life makes the apostle radiate faith. Those who hear him realize that God is present within him. He follows the example of St. Bernard, of whom it was said, Taking with him, wherever he went, the solitude of his own heart, he was everywhere alone. And so he keeps apart from others, and in order to do so, he creates a hermitage within himself. But it is easy to see that he is not all by himself in this retreat, and that he has in his heart a mysterious and familiar guest, and that he goes within at every moment to commune with him, and that he does not talk until he has received his directions, his advice, his orders. We are made to feel that he is sustained and guided by him, and that the words uttered by his lips are simply a faithful echo of those of this interior word, as the words of God. And thus, what is made manifest by his speech is not so much the logic and conviction of his arguments as the interior word, speaking through his creature. 
The words that I speak to you, I speak not of myself, but the Father who abideth in me, he doth the work. The effects of such speech will be deep and enduring indeed, far deeper than the supernatural admiration or passing burst of devotion that can be aroused in others by a man without the interior spirit. Such a one can move his hearer to declare that what he says is true and interesting, but that only indicates a state of mind in itself powerless to lead to supernatural faith or to make that faith live in the soul. Brother Gabriel, the Trappist lay brother, did much more to revive the faith of numerous visitors to his monastery, merely by carrying out his duties as assistant to the guest master, than could have been done by a learned priest, whose words might appeal more to the mind than to the heart. General Mirabel frequently came to converse with the humble brother and used to say, I came here to revive my faith. Never has there been so much preaching or arguing or such a spate of learned works of apologetics as in our day, and yet never, at least as far as the bulk of the faithful is concerned, has the faith been so dead. Those whose job it is to teach too often seem to see nothing in the act of faith but an act of intellect, but as a matter of fact, the will also has a large part in it. They forget that belief is a supernatural gift and that there is a deep gulf between merely seeing the motives of credibility and making a definite act of faith. This gulf can be bridged by God alone, together with the will of the one who is being instructed. But the divine life reflected by the sanctity of the instructor is of immense assistance in accomplishing this task because the apostle also radiates hope. It would be impossible for a man of prayer not to radiate hope. By his faith, he is unshakably fixed in the conviction that happiness is to be found in God and in him alone. And so, with what persuasive accents does he speak of heaven, and what power he has to console the sorrowful? The best way to get men to listen to you is to hold out to them the secret of carrying the cross, which is the lot of every mortal with joy. This secret lies in the Eucharist and in the hope of heaven. What life there is in the words of consolation uttered by a man who can say, in all truth, that his conversation is in heaven. Someone else may, perhaps, display finer phrases and more fancy rhetoric in talking about the joys of our heavenly home. All his speeches will fall flat. But the interior soul, with a few convincing words that reveal the state of mind of him who utters them, will be able to calm the grief, soothe the sorrow felt by our souls, and help us to accept the keenest suffering with resignation. And thus the virtue of hope goes forth from this man of prayer and communicates itself irresistibly to a soul who had perhaps never felt its warmth before and who is about to sink into the depths of despair. And an apostle radiates charity. The chief ambition of a soul that aspires to sanctity is to possess charity. The in interpenetration of Jesus in the soul, the state expressed in the words, he that abideth in me and I in him is the end that every man of interior life has in view. Experienced preachers are unanimous in declaring that although the introductory sermons on death, judgment, and hell are indispensable and always salutary in a retreat or mission, the sermon on the love of our Lord generally does more good. When it is preached by a true missionary who is able to make his hearers share in the sentiments with which he is filled, it is a guarantee of success and leads to many conversions. When there is question of detaching a soul from sin or of leading one from fervor to perfection, the love of Christ is always the best means of all. 
a Christian who has sunk deep into the mire, yet who is able to sense in another the presence of a burning love enkindled by invisible realities, and who, on the other hand, considers the deception and hollowness of earthly loves, begins to feel intense disgust at sin. He has understood something of God, something of Christ's immense love for his creatures. He feels within himself the stirrings of the latent grace of his baptism and first communion. Christ has appeared to him, living and real, for the love of his heart has shown itself through his minister's countenance and voice. The sinner has caught a glimpse of another kind of love, one that is pure, ardent, and noble. And he has said to himself, so it is possible, after all, to love on this earth with a love that transcends the love of creatures. Yet, a few more intimate manifestations of the God of love through his herald, and the soul will emerge from the mire in which it was held fast, and will no longer fear the sacrifices that must be made to acquire the love of God, which, up until that time, had been something almost unknown in his life. Though this is not the place to develop this idea further, one may easily see what great increase of love, and therefore what progress, a true pastor will be able to effect in souls that have already emerged from sin, or have become fervent. Even those workers in Catholic action who are not ordained priests will be able by their ardent charity to cause this, the highest of theological virtues, to spring to life all around them. So tomorrow we will continue to talk about the different aspects of the apostle as they radiate the supernatural. We've just talked about the three theological virtues, and tomorrow we will continue uh, in speaking about kindness and humility uh, in particular. But I wanted to pause here for the simple fact of Don Jean-Baptiste continues to point out to us of the importance of our prayer. You know, I love the description he gives about the example of St. Bernard, who taking with him wherever he went, the solitude of his own heart, and he was everywhere alone. We need to be building this hermitage in our hearts. We need to be building this place of quiet contemplation so that we can take it with us wherever we go, so that we are taking the word of God with us wherever we go. This is what we are striving for in our daily prayer. This is why being able to memorize, for example, particular words of scripture that you find to be of great comfort that will help you immediately focus upon our Lord and his love for you. So that way you radiate that love that and that hope and joy to others. This is what we are striving to do in our daily prayer. But we cannot do it unless we are praying. So again, it comes back to this this fact that we need to be persevering and diligent in our daily prayer to commit, and this is a resolution for today, to commit to taking a word of God with you in your heart and then meditating upon it throughout this day. Is that word faith? Is it hope? Is it love? Is it mercy? Is it kindness? Whatever it might be that helps you be able to focus upon God's care and his love for you, his great, immeasurable love for you, whatever that word might be, 
meditate upon that word today. You might find it in the gospel of the day. Maybe you heard it in our conversation as I was sharing the words of Dom Jean-Baptiste today. Whatever that word is, that is a living word that God has given and entrusted to you to live and dwell in your heart so that you can spend time with him there in quiet. And as you do so, even in the midst of the busyness that might be around you, you're able to radiate that faith and that hope and especially that love to others. Know my continued prayer for each and every one of you, and I'll see you tomorrow. God bless. Thanks for listening to this episode of this special series of the Say Yes to Holiness podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you think of others who may benefit from listening, be sure to share the podcast with them. Until next time, know my prayers for you to be given whatever graces you may need to continue doing whatever it takes on the journey towards holiness. So together, we can tell the master of death, not today. God bless. Thank you.